Um, let's open our Bible to the book of Hosea. I want to go back and begin reading in verse 1, <clears throat> chapter 14. What we see here is such a change that has been wrought by God's grace in his people in Israel. It says, O Israel, return unto the Lord thy God, for thou hast fallen by thine iniquities. Take with you words and turn to the Lord, saying to him, Take away all iniquity and receive us graciously. So we will render the calves of our lips. Asher shall not save us. We won't ride upon horses, neither will we say any more to the works of our hands. You are our God, you are, ye are our gods, for in thee the fatherless findeth mercy. Well, she's changed her tune, ain't she, from wanting to go after her lovers. Now she's asking him to receive her graciously. And then we have, it's like the Lord's response, I will heal their backsliding. <clears throat> they can never go back too far that I can't bring them. I will heal their backslidings, and I will love them freely. And he did, and he still does. For mine anger is turned away from him. I will be as the dew unto Israel, and he shall grow as the lily, and cast forth his roots as Lebanon. His branches shall spread, and his beauty shall and his beauty shall be as the olive tree and as the smell of Lebanon. They that dwell under his shadow shall return. They shall revive as the corn. He didn't say they might. He said they, they shall return. They shall revive as the corn. They shall grow as the vine, and the scent thereof shall be as the wine of Lebanon. As we began looking at last week, and Ephraim shall say, and all, they all do, we all will, by his grace. He makes us willing in the day of his power. What have I to do anymore with idols? She's basically saying, I'm done with them. She could be saying, I'm sick of them. What do I have to do anymore with idols? I have heard him and observed him. I am like a green fir tree. From me is thy fruit found. Who is wise and he shall understand these things, prudent. He shall know them for the ways of the Lord are right and the just shall walk in them, but the transgressors shall fall therein. We looked at that it was a real change. And it is. If any man be in Christ, he's a new creature. The law can't change a man. Threatenings won't change a man. Turning over a new leaf won't change a man. But regeneration will change a man. Changes him. Changes his way as his thinking. It changes his, his emotions. It changes everything about him. Newton said, let worldly minds the world pursue. And that's what they do. It has no charms for me. Once I admired its trifles too. We were just like them. But grace 
has set me free. Its pleasures now no longer please. It used to please you. And you go, I don't know why it doesn't please me anymore. Thank, thank goodness it doesn't. Its pleasures no longer please, no more content afford. Far from my heart be joy like these. Now I have seen the Lord. That's the answer. That's why it's all lost its splendor. Now I have seen the Lord. As by the light of opening day, the stars are all concealed. It's like you go out this morning before the sun came up. If there was no clouds, the stars would be shining so bright. But when the, when the sun of God arises with healing in his wings, the stars are all concealed. You can't see them for seeing him. So earthly pleasures fade away when Jesus is revealed. And that's how it always is. Ephraim's saying, I'm done with all these idols. If we could have our desire, the desire of every believer would be to be totally and completely rid of sin with every temptation, with every thought, with every attitude, rid of it. Rid of it. What more do we have to do with those things? But we know as long as we're in this world, we'll struggle with it. Cowper said, the dearest idol I have known, whatever that idol be, help me, help me to tear it from thy throne and worship only thee. There's only one king. No man can serve two masters. But Gomer went from going after her lover's now she says, I'll never have, by, by God's grace, I'll never have nothing to do with them. The dearest idol I have known, whatever that idol be, help me to tear it from thy throne and worship only thee. It was a personal change. It was a repentance change. When, and here's where we got to, I'm pretty sure, last week. The calls of this great change. What brought this about? Something's happened. There's, an, a, there's a cause and effect. It's like once the magnet moves toward the piece of steel, the piece of steel will turn toward the magnet. When God moves toward us, you know what we do? We move toward him. That's the cause. I won't, that's the, here's the change. I won't have anything to do with idols. We'll get rid of it. We'll drop it. Spurgeon said, the best way to keep chaff out of a bushel, you know what the chaff is. The chaff is it's like in a, this time of year, people love to eat nuts and crack the nuts. What you throw away is the chaff. The chaff just protected the little kernel on the inside. But he said, the best way to keep the chaff out of the bushel is to fill it with wheat. And when the heart of man is full of Christ, there will be no room for the world, the flesh, and the devil. When we see the beauty of the Lord, the world loses its so-called beauty. Its so-called beauty. If you ever see beauty, 
you know what's ugly. <laughs> you don't have to describe ugly to see beauty. But when you, when you see beauty, true beauty, beauty of, beauty of character, beauty of heart, then you, then you see, man, that, that's not, I thought, I thought that was pretty. That ain't pretty. There's nothing pretty about sin. I have heard him and observed him, seen his beauty rich and rare, seen his majesty and glory and his grace beyond compare. What have I to do with idols? When such visions fill my eyes, how he occupied with shadows. People are just occupied still with the shadows of the world, shadows of the law, when the substance passes by. We're not worshiping shadows or images. They served their purpose. We worship him. Worship him. What she's saying, Spurgeon said, this is how he said we ought to read this verse. He said, I have nothing more to do with idols. Why? For I have heard my God and I have observed him. I have heard Christ speak, and I have observed the excellency of his character. He said, this much I know. Nothing weans the heart from idols like a sight, the sight of Christ. If God ever makes himself known, you know what? You'll run after him. Nobody won't have to twist your arm. You, you're made Willing. Isn't it amazing how God makes people that are so unwilling, willing? You can't make yourself willing. No one else can make you willing, but he can. And how does he do it? He says, I'm going to bring you into the wilderness, and I'm going to speak comfortably unto you. He's not speaking in wrath. He's not speaking in judgment. He said, I'm going to speak comfortably unto her. You imagine what he tells her. He said, I've loved you with an everlasting love. I'm going to allure her. I'm going to win her heart. When I'm done with her, she'll want me more than anything in this world. And that's what he does. Love not the world, neither the things that are in the world. The world still has an attraction to our old nature. If we are becoming fond of earthly wisdom, we need to hear the Lord speak. The world speaks, they think they've got it all figured out, don't they? <laughs> Wait till he speaks. Wait till he speaks. Are you seeking to live for self and earthly gain? You need to lay your head on his breast as John did. I've heard him. I've seen him. What do I have to do with idols? You know why men play around with idols? They've never seen him. Never. Men love idols. We're, we're born idolaters. We're, we're, we're born religious. We, we, we love those things. The biggest idol is we love ourselves. It's about self. It's about making ourselves happy. But he causes her 
and causes us to love him. And as Cowper said, whatever, whatever that idol is, whatever it is, help me to tear it from its throne. You have no right ruling. You have no right being in here. You have no right conquering or ruling over my affections. You have no right. I'm not yours. I'm his. Bought with a price. He, he's the husband. We're the bride. You mean he would love her even after all that she's done and all how she acted? Yes. How does God love you? Why does he still love you? Why? Why does God still love you? We're, we're so full of sin, so full of self. I've heard him and observed him. I'm like a green fir tree from, from me as thy fruit found. Verse 9, who is wise, and he shall understand these things. Prudent, he shall know them, for the, lay, the ways of the Lord are right. And the just shall walk in them, but the transgressors shall fall. Who is wise? There's only one wise, and that's Christ. Who is wisdom? He's made unto us wisdom, righteousness, sanctification, and redemption. And he's our wisdom, and by his grace, we understand. What do we understand? Well, we understand that everything we do is sin. Most people don't understand that. They think they're a little good in everybody. And all you have to do is fan it or just find it, but they don't understand that. He said, he that's wise understands these things. Understands what? That Jesus Christ is Lord. Most people don't understand that. They have no wisdom. They have the wisdom of the world. But it's not the wisdom of God. We understand in some measure that only Christ then can deliver us from the love of sin. Imagine Gomer. She's coming to the place where she once loved these lovers and now she's sick of it. And she wants to be delivered and she sees that she cannot Deliver herself. How it leads her is guilt and shame and condemnation. And she not she hates her idols and she hates herself, but she can't deliver herself. And she's been taught there's only one can deliver, and it's him. Do you have a desire to know what this is all about? Ask God to give you wisdom. It says in Psalms 25, 14, The secret of the Lord is with them that fear him, and he will show them his covenant. This that he's speaking of here, who is wise. Now, a lot of men may know this in their head, but to know it, to know him. This is spiritual wisdom. As Paul was writing to Timothy, you know, it speaks there of his grandmother and mother. They were both believers. The grandmother talked to daughter, and I take the daughter and the grandmother taught Timothy. They taught him when he was a child. What did they teach him? They taught him about God. 
Now, they couldn't give him wisdom to understand it, but he was taught the things of God. And here Paul says, And that from a child thou hast known the holy scriptures, which are able to make thee wise unto salvation. Wisdom is here. This book reveals Christ who is wisdom. It's able to make thee wise unto salvation through the faith which is in Christ Jesus. Wise? Unto salvation? The wisdom of the world, 1 Corinthians one twenty one. For after that, in the, wisdom, in the wisdom of God, the world by wisdom knew not God. Ask them. They don't know him. And what they do know him is all mixed up because that's what they've been taught. Who is wise and he'll understand these things? For after that, the wisdom of God, the world by wisdom knew not God. It pleased God by the foolishness of preaching to save them which believe. We know, we've been taught, if God's going to save you, it's through the preaching of the gospel. We know that. Most people, have, they don't have the wisdom to know that. They think, well, we'll do something else. We'll try something else. When God has given us the wisdom of God, we're able to understand. You know why? Before your wisdom's all, your understanding's all messed up. You've heard me say I can explain I can explain it to you, and I can preach it to you, but only God can give you the understanding of it. And you go one day, one day it's like a light comes on. And you say, I understand. I understand that Jesus Christ is Lord. I understand I can't save myself. And I understand if I'm delivered from idols, only God can do it. He that is wise knows these things. He's given us the wisdom of God. We understand. Now we understand now, now, what does she understand? Now she understands why he hedged up her way with thorns. Now she understands why he brought her into the wilderness. What does she understand? Now she understands something about, not only about God, she understands something about the love of God. You know, we can talk about the love of God, but to really understand is to experience the love of God. It's a wise man that says, I'm done with idols. You know, Solomon, the wisest man, he said, it's all together vanity. He experienced the things of the world. All of his wives turned their hearts away from him, from God, and he made idols for every one of them's gods. Solomon, Yes. But through that, God taught him it's all just vanity and vexation of spirit. Let me give you some scripture there. It also says, who is wise and he shall understand these things? Prudent. He shall understand these things and prudent. He shall know these Prudent, wise, or judicious in practical affairs, discreet, 
or circumspect, sober, careful in providing for the future. Most people never take time to consider their ways. A man would be wise to just pause for a minute and just think that one day I'm going to leave this world and I'm going to have to face God. Let me give you some scriptures. Turn with me to the book of Proverbs. There's several scriptures there that speak of prudent men in the book of Proverbs. Proverbs 14, verse 8. Mentions it three times just in this one chapter. The wisdom of the prudent is to understand his way. But the folly of fools is deceit. What is the opposite of wisdom? Foolishness. They say the preaching of the gospel is foolishness, but in but it is the wisdom of God. Verse 15, the simple believeth every word, but the prudent man looketh way well to his goings. Who was it, the Ephesians? I can't remember the name exactly. It said they, they searched the scriptures to see what Paul said was the truth. They just didn't believe every word, even though it was preached by God's servant, the simple believeth every word, but the prudent man looketh well to his goings. Verse 18, the simple inherit folly, but the prudent were crowned with knowledge. Chapter 15, verse 5, a fool despises his father's instruction, but he that regardeth reproof is prudent. Literally, you would be wise, you would be wise, and you would be prudent to listen to your parents. It's foolish not to listen to your parents. And it's foolish not to listen to our father's instructions. He instructs us. Don't go this way. It's the way of death. Don't go that way. A fool despises his father's instruction. Well, reminds me of the prodigal son. He said, I'm going to do what I want to. But he that regardeth reproof, and by nature we don't like to be reproved. We don't like to be told that we're wrong. We don't like to be told we're going the wrong way. But he that, but he that regardeth reproof is prudent. Proverbs sixteen twenty one. The wise in heart should be called prudent. It's not just wisdom in a head. It's the wise in heart should be called prudent. And the sweetness of his lips increaseth learning. Proverbs 9, verse 9, back a couple of chapters Proverbs 9, 9. Give instruction to a wise man, and he'll yet be, he will be yet wiser. Teach a just man, and he shall increase in learning. 
teacher, instruct, a wise man. It's been made wise. Then Proverbs 18, verse 15. The heart of the prudent getteth knowledge, and the ear of the wise seeketh knowledge. Knowledge. My people perish for lack of what? Knowledge. Then chapter 22, verse 3. A prudent man foreseeth evil. He said, this is, this is not good. This is going down the wrong road. And hideth himself, but a simple passes on and are punished. He didn't foresee the evil. He didn't consider it. But a prudent man foreseeth. And he says, who is wise and he shall understand, prudent, and he shall know them. Let me make this statement. Until you understand who you are and who God is, you will never know anything. Like someone said, you know why people are wrong? If you're wrong on the fall, what happened in the first part of this book, you are wrong on it all. A man is dead. He can't give himself life. And you know what he does? He, he don't foresee the evil. He can't see it. And why can't he see it? Because he's a dead man. And he has no, he has no God-given wisdom. He lost it in the garden. Adam was a brilliant man. Brilliant. God didn't name the animals. He brought them to Adam, and Adam named them. He named his wife, Eve. He called her woman. Adam did. What happened after he fell? Not wise anymore. You go, how unwise was it for him to sin against God? Look what it did. Look what it did. I thought about the Ethiopian eunuch. Do you understand what you read? Have we learned anything from the book of Hosea? I hope we have. I hope it's been beneficial. I hope that it's been that God has blessed it to our heart. I hope that he has shown us who we are and that he loves and he does heal the backslider. He does. I'm thankful he does. He loves us freely. Understand. Then he says, For the ways of the Lord are right. It is the duty of a wise and prudent man to understand and to know the ways of God. This is the way. This is the way. Walk you in it. Walk you in it. He knows this is the Lord's way. The Lord's taught him the way. Christ is the way. There's only one way. There is a way which seems right unto the man, but the end thereof is the way of death. They thought, Israel did, oh, it's okay. We can go down here to Bethel and Dan and worship the Lord. We can go worship a golden calf. They thought that was the right way. That wasn't the right way. That was the wrong way. The ways of the Lord are right. 
Listen, in Deuteronomy 10, verse 12, And now, Israel, what doth the Lord thy God require of thee? He asked them the question. What does the Lord thy God require? What does he require of you? What does he require of me? What does God require? But to fear the Lord thy God and to walk in all his ways. That's what he requires. That's what the law demanded. And there's only one who walked perfectly in God's way, and that was Christ. But that's what's required of man, to walk in the ways. This is the way. You're going the wrong way. Why are you going that way? The signs were up, said, this is the way to the city of refuge. But looking at the sign will never save you. You've got to be in the city, but you've got to go the right way. The right way. What does God require? But to fear the Lord thy God, to walk in his ways. And what does God require? He requires you to love him. That's never been reversed. He requires that you love him and to serve the Lord thy God with all thy heart and with all thy soul. That's what he requires. And you know, we can't do it, but there's one, thank goodness, who did. And that's, that's the way. And we walk in the way as Christ walked in the way. For the ways of the Lord are right. A double-minded man is unstable in all of his ways. The ways of the Lord are right. They are straight. They are plain. They are according to the rule and justice of his character. And there is no unrighteousness in him. His ways are plain. Straight is the gate, and narrow is the way that leadeth unto life. And few there be that find it. But broad is the way that leads to destruction. And many there be which go in thereat. It's, it's plain. It's plain. There's no other way but Christ. That's pretty plain, isn't it? I try to make it as simple, and it's plain. It's plain. His ways are plain. They were to make sure on those roads to the cities of refuge, there were six cities. The signs were to be put up. They were to go through, and if there's any trees or anything in the way, they cut all the trees out of the way. They removed all the stones. They leveled out the road. It was a straight, plain path. All the hindrances were removed. That's the way. But And it's the... Just that's the way. But everything else is a broad way. Everybody's going that way. So this way must be right. Oh, really? You know, it's sad to think this morning how many people think they are on the right way who never seen Christ, who is the way. They're sincere. You know, everybody this time of year gets real religious, don't they, and just gets into the giving spirit and all that. The way of God's providence is right. Nothing is to be found in anything that God does. It's right. Whatever is happening is right. 
Whatever's happening right now is God's will, and it's right. It's perfect. And God makes it plain. No question about it. He did it. He does it on purpose. That's his way. That's the way, that's the way God does things. <laughs> Most people don't know that. They say, well, God had nothing to do with that. Well, you don't know God. If you ever knew God, you'd know how God does things. That's his way. That's the, that's the way he works. You know, they showed yesterday it was a, it's hard to believe it's been a year since, um, remember that tornado come through there in Kentucky and destroyed all those buildings and everything. God's ways are right. We can't explain it why his way, we just bow to it. His ways are right. And he taught Gomer and he taught Israel and he keeps teaching us his ways are right. Deuteronomy 32, 4. He is the rock. His work is perfect. For all his ways are judgment, a God of truth, and without iniquity, just and right is he. For the ways of the Lord are right, and the just shall walk in those ways. The only ones that walk in that way are those who God has declared just. Enoch walked with God. Enoch walked with God. We walk by faith in this way. How do you know God is God? How do you know God's sovereign? How do you know this is the gospel? We walk by faith. In the way. This is the way. The just shall walk in them. Now listen, God reveals his ways to us, not that we just would know about them, but that we may walk in them. I can point you to the city of refuge, and I said, this is the road. You go right up here. Right, go right, if I was to tell you how to get to Ripley, you go right up here to the road at the top of the hill to, at the parking lot, and you take a right, and in about seven miles, you'll come to an interstate. If you can go to Charleston, you can go to Parkersburg. That's the way I would tell you to go. Now, if you, you go, well, I, I, I just don't think I want to go that way. Well, you can go maybe another way, but that's the way I would tell you to go. And that's how we point sinners. He is the rock. His work is perfect. All his ways are judgment. And the just shall walk in them, and they all do. God reveals his way, not that we may just know them. It's not so much do you know the way, but are you in the way? Are you walking in the way? That's it. There's only one way. This is something come to my mind. I thought when Mary and Joseph took our Lord, went to Jerusalem to worship when he was 12 years old. And they start back home, and they must have been a big crowd. And they begin to look around. This, this has been a couple of days, and uh, Jesus is not with them. They assumed he was, but he's not. Well, where do you think he's at? He's right where they left him. Well, how are they going to find out where he's at? You've got to go the same way back now to find out where he's at. And when they get there, he's in the temple. 
He said, did you not know I ought to be about my father's business? But they thought he was in the way with them when he wasn't. How many times have we thought he was in the way with us when he wasn't? And he's right where we left him. The just not only know the way, they walk in it. Walk implies progress. He doesn't stand in the way, he walks in the way. In God's way, like I said, there's no stumbling blocks. He's removed them. And they who walk in there are free from all the obstacles. The steps of a good man are ordered of the Lord. If it was not for him, we would stumble and fall more often than we do. And even in the way, many times we stumble. All other paths are tangled, uneven, slippery, full of snares and pitfalls. Now what's this? Who is wise and shall understand these things? Prudent and he shall know them. For the ways of the Lord are right and the just shall walk in them. But the transgressors shall fall therein. The ways, the right ways of God will be to those who are wicked a savor of death unto death. To the wicked, Christ is a stone of stumbling and a rock of offense. It's offensive to them. You imagine they stumble over him. They stumble at God's requirements. What does God require? That a man be perfect. Perfect. They stumble at his wisdom in, order, in ordering his own creation. They stumble at it. They stumble at his goodness and him coming and dwelling upon this earth. They stumble. They have stumbled and they still stumble at God's Son. They stumble at his humanity. They stumble at his crucifixion. They stumble at him at the right hand of God. Listen, that which was ordained to be life has become, through their abuse of it, death to them. But to transgressors shall fall therein. Remember Simeon, when they brought, Mary brought our Lord into the temple on the eighth day when he was circumcised. Here's what Simeon said. This child is set for the fall and rising again of many in Israel. How many people stumbled over him? How many people still stumble over him? They're going to fall therein, and they always will. John 9, 39, for judgment I am coming to this world that they which see not might see and, they, and that they which see might be made blind. Peter said in 1 Peter 2, verse 7 and 8, unto you which believe he's precious. 
he's precious. Think about that. If he's not precious to you, you've never seen him. Precious, more precious, more precious than gold. And to you which believe, he is precious. But unto them which be disobedient, the stone which the builders disallowed, the same is made the head of the corner. The cornerstone is that which all the house rests upon that cornerstone, and that's Christ. He's made the head of the corner and a stone of stumbling and a rock of offense to them that stumble at the word being disobedient, said, I won't go that way. I want to do my own thing. I've heard that for years. I've heard it all my life. And in 1 Corinthians 1, 23 and 24, and we'll be finished. Christ crucified was unto the Jews a stumbling block. Stumbled over him. Oh, he, he can't be the Christ. It, it's not him. And unto the Greeks, it's foolishness. You know, they, they were big on their knowledge and uh, philosophies and all those things. He is, this is just foolishness. He's not a god. We know what gods is. There's Zeus and Apollo and all the they're, they're gods. No, there's only one God. But unto them which are called, both Jews and Greeks, Christ is the power of God, and here it is. He's the wisdom of God. Isn't it amazing how God in his wisdom make men look so foolish? <laughs> he, he basically, his word, when he comes, it reveals their foolishness. Here you imagine our Lord standing in their very presence and they stumbled right over him. If they, if he, they stumbled over him, that means he was in their way. And in the very way, they stumbled over him. Isn't that sad? To stumble in the way? Stumble over him? Both the power of God and the wisdom of God. The just shall walk in the ways of God, and they will. Not that they might, they will. If you're in the wrong way, I know this, he'll lead you, he'll bring you back. And the transgressors, no, no matter how many times they're told, they're gonna, they, they'll fall. And that's sad a person sit all of his life, sitting in a gospel church where the gospel's preached and just stumble over Christ and fall and wind up and never have known him. I hope this study of the book of Hosea has been a blessing, and I'm not sure where we're going to go next time, but... Uh, we'll just seek the Lord. Amen.